Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John. John 18 is where we're at, and I um, want to uh, encourage you to follow along with us. One of the important things about coming to church is learning the Bible. Kind of a novel concept in our world today, but nevertheless what we need to grow. You know, we don't grow by self-positive image. We don't grow by knowledge. We grow by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in His Word as He reveals who He is through His Word to us. And so that's what we do each and every Sunday morning as we go line by line, precept upon precept, in studying God's Word. That's why we do that. So, if you have your Bible, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit now speaks to us. Through these words, they become alive to us. We see what's really going on. We know it was by your Holy Spirit these words were written. It is by your Holy Spirit these words are revealed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I talked about that before. Sometimes people go, I've tried reading the Bible. It looks like a phone book. Right. It's because the Holy Spirit wrote it. It takes the Holy Spirit to interpret it. Now, you say, well, how does that work? Invisible Holy Spirit, come, reveal to me, reveal to you what's in his word. Well, we left off the story last week. Jesus went, as always, to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And we know that Judas Iscariot knew Jesus's life so well that he knew exactly where to direct the soldiers to come and arrest him. Now, the reason why, the Bible tells us that Judas had been paid off 30 pieces of silver for Jesus's day planner. That's what they wanted. That's what he got. And so Jesus said, what you do to Judas Iscariot, do quickly. The other disciples didn't know in the Last Supper what was going on. But Jesus knew, and Jesus didn't get oopsie caught. He deliberately was there where they would come and arrest him. Remember this, Jesus is always in control. And if you're a Christian here this morning, Jesus is in control. All God asks of us is that we are found in him. I think it's pretty simple. You know, where are you at? Well, I just want to be in Jesus. I don't understand all that that means, but I want to be in Jesus. Now, we've talked about this before. All the other religions of the world offer some way to get right with God. Go burn some incense sticks. Go say so many prayers. Go join so many things. Go do so many good works. Crawl up the Sistine Chapel on your knees on broken glass. That'll get you right with God. Go bury yourself out in the desert with just your little bald head sticking out as punishment because you're human. That'll get you right with God. None of those things get us right with God. The only thing that gets us right with God is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. All the religions of the world in some way will offer some way to get right with God. But only God fixes what's wrong in our life. Now, God doesn't always fix what's wrong in my life when I come to him, when I confess him as Savior, my way. 
I think a lot of times people got all figured out, well, I'm going to come to Christ, and then Jesus is going to do this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and then I'm going to climb to the top. Well, you know, God's got a better plan for me than, and you, than ourselves. And this is one of the reasons why I abandon all my aspirations and visions and desires when I come to Christ. No longer I, Paul says, but Christ who lives within me. That's so important. Why is that? Because you can't serve two masters, Jesus said. You're going to love one, hate the other, hate one, love the other, but you can't serve both. You can't serve God and mammon. Now, it's interesting. People always say, Mammon is money. No, mammon is not money. Well, you can't serve God and money. Well, that's not what it says. It says God, Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is the power that money brings. Or literally, mammon is the power that supersedes what God would have for you in your life. Now, when God fixes things in your life and in my life, He fixes them differently than sometimes I have a pre-notion for. In fact, if I'm not sensitive to God, I could say God doesn't fix my problems because I'm judging it from my perspective. Get God's perception on everything that you do. Why is that important? Because the Bible says his ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his ways. And remember, God's always right. God's got an eternal purpose for our lives, not a temporal as the world offers. Well, if you don't get that, you're going to have trouble getting what we're going to read today. Because at the point of reading, it seems like all is lost. Jesus is in the garden praying. He told his disciples to pray that they would not enter into temptation They wake up when Jesus is being arrested. Peter pulls out his sword and hacks off Malchus's ear in the garden. What a wonderful thing. You know, I was in the garden praying, and my disciples come to my rescue by trying to chop off people's ears. Well, we talked a little bit about that last week. It was through the ear, Eve was deceived. Half God said, and Eve goes, well... Satan says, God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. You could be a God yourself someday if you eat of the tree. It was through the year we were deceived. You know, the last time that man was in a garden listening to Satan, we got into trouble. We find Jesus now in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Malchus's ear gets cut off, and Jesus miraculously puts his ear back on. Well, at this point, verse 12, then the detachment of troops... And the captains and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Ananias first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the chief priest that year. Now let's look at this for a minute. Very important. First thing it says, they led him away to Ananias first. Why? Well, you know, if you're going to do something, you want to get those that hate you the most on your side. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't take him to Caiaphas first, who was the high priest. And by the way, the high priest was appointed by the Roman government, not by the Jewish Sanhedrin. I think that's interesting. The Romans knew who their puppets were. Ananias, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, owned the concession stands in the temple. Now, he's the one that owned the booths where you would buy the doves for your 
particular sins or, or you'd have your money exchanged from well, heathen, worldly, dirty money, that filthy lucre, into temple shekels. Holy money. But we'll do it for a price. And so they were taking their percent. Now remember, the people were just trying to get right with God. That's all they wanted. And yet they were being merchandised by the high priest, by the father-in-law, all this stuff going on. Well, remember just a few weeks before, Jesus goes into the temple. He overturns the table of the money changers. And they were outraged. Now, whose concession stands were they that Jesus was turning over? Ananias's. So you begin to see that Ananias had, was gunning for Jesus because he was ruining his business. You know the old saying, dial direct and save? Well, that's what you can do with Jesus Christ now. You don't go through a priest. You don't go through your religion. You don't go through a guru. You dial direct. You just call right out to God. The Bible says we call upon him and he will hear us. Now he says here, they bound him to Ananias first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the priest that year, literally by the order of the Romans. Now when Caiaphas, who gave counsel to the Jews, that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Here you literally find, even in his deplorable condition, he was prophesying. He said it was expedient for one person to die for the nation. Jesus not only died for the nation of the Jews, he died for all of us as well. But he thought, well, by removing Jesus, we'll get rid of this rabble-rouser and the Roman government won't come down on us. That was their idea. Well, we see here, Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now, by the way, the rest of the disciples all left except for John. John went with them, and John's dad was known by the... the, uh, the, the Sanhedrin. John's dad named Zebedee. He owned a fleet of fishing boats. By the way, uh, in those days, uh, the religion was that, you know, you want to you wanna be hobnobbing with those that are affluent. And so they knew John was no stranger to the Sanhedrin because of his father's relationship with them. And so it says Simon followed Jesus. And so did another disciple, speaking of John. Now that disciple, John, known to the high priest, went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in also. There you go, what's that all about? John followed, but because of something from following from a distance, Peter didn't go into the inner court there where Caiaphas was at. So John was on the outside. Now, because we know of the, of the Passover time and how it coordinates to full moons and everything, this would have been a full moon. This was early in the morning. And so no doubt John saw Peter outside knowing he wanted to come in, and he goes up to the girl keeping the door. Now, friends, that's kind of weird, a girl keeping the door. Somebody would say, well, why wasn't a man keeping the door? 
most likely, and from what we gather from other sources like the writings of Josephus and some others, that it may very well have been possible that this was the doorkeeper's daughter who was keeping the door. Now, the doorkeeper's daughter was probably younger. She was just there making sure nobody was going to come in, and she had to begin to yell like an alarm going off. And so anyway, John goes up to the girl and says, this is my friend, let him in. So notice what it says here. And this is where it gets kind of weird. And the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, are you not also one of the man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I am not. Now, this is weird because this goes back to John 13, 38, where Jesus said, Peter is so funny, he goes, Lord, I'm willing to go and, and, and die with you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. And, and I, I know Peter couldn't believe that. But you know, again, friends, always know this. God knows more about us than we know about us. God knows our frailties and our weaknesses. God knew, Jesus knew, that Peter would deny him three times and yet still chose him to be one of his disciples. I like that about God. Gives me great hope, should give you great hope, when we know that as we serve our king, sometimes we fall on our noses. Now, again, that's pretty important. Because if you're picking a winning team, you'd always want to pick the winners. But God picks bozos like us to be on his team. I've said this before, we're all bozos on this bus. What I mean by that is we don't have red hair and a big red nose and makeup on our face. But what, it's hot, what I mean by that is that God, knowing that we would let him down, that we would fail him, he still chose us to be part of his kingdom. Why? Because God sees something about you that you don't see about you. I like that. God sees us for what we can be, not for what we are. By the way, friends, I've been over this a lot. That is a business principle you can get wealthy by. If you can see something for what it can be rather than for what it is, you can become wealthy. A businessman will look at an empty field or maybe an acreage in a poor part of town. People go, oh, I wouldn't live down there if they gave me the place. What do you mean? That big old empty field? Well, who would want to build anything there? But a person with vision can see it for what it is. So he builds a mall, maybe builds a, 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 a housing complex on these empty fields. And all of a sudden now it's worth something. Why? He saw it for what it could be rather than what it is. That's the way God sees you. That's the way God sees me. And I like that because in our lives as Christians, God begins to reveal to you and me what we can be. I'm glad God doesn't tell me that all at once when I become born again. I would be overwhelmed. I'd say, no way, I'm out of (laughs) here. But God sees you and me for what we can be. I like that. You know, moms and dads, you need to do that with your kids too. See, when you see your kids for what they can be, not for what they are, it'll keep you from wanting to kill them, (laughs) you know? Understanding that they lack that. Well, it's the same way it is with God. If God told us everything he wanted to do in your life, you probably wouldn't believe him anyway. Why is that? Because the Bible says his ways are not our ways. 
And I like that about God. God's got good thoughts towards you. I like that. God's got good thoughts towards you. He wants you to do well. It isn't that God wants to go around with a big 15 billion ton mallet and every time you do something wrong, whammo! He wants to do something great in your life. And see, that's where trusting him, getting his perspective, changes everything. Now, what's unusual here, we have the first denial of Peter concerning Jesus to fulfill, going back to what we said earlier, John 13, 38. The first denial, but here's what is weird, friends. If you, if you follow along, there was no pressure on Peter to deny Christ. This was a girl, the doorkeeper, who John, inside the courtyard, walked up to her and said, let him in, he's my friend. As he's coming through the door, the girl goes, oh, you're one of his disciples too, huh? I don't know that guy. No pressure to deny Christ. It wasn't like she was holding a gun to his head. Okay, are you one of his disciples? John, who was one of his disciples, just came up to her and said, let him in. He's one of us. And Peter denies that. Now, first of all, you find a couple of things here, kind of unusual. First of all, you find Peter outside the door. And I think that's a lot of times Peter would have been a lot better off to just have left with all the other disciples than he would be to stand there and from a distance gawking and denying his Lord. The second thing we find here, the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there for it was cold and they they warmed themselves by the fire and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So first of all, we find him outside. Then we find him inside. Now we find him warming himself by the fires of the world. Always a dangerous thing. By the way, if you ever get away from the Lord, it doesn't usually happen overnight. Well, you know, I go to love. I'm in love with Jesus. I get up in the morning. I'm a heathen. No, that's not the way it works. Usually, the way we lose is it's a progressive thing. You know, the devil, it's like a pile. If you don't notice this when you eat dinner and you eat some green peas, you got a little pile of green peas there. And then one little green pea just kind of rolls off to the side. And you're eating all your green peas up. You got the butter on them. Mmm, good. And they're all warm. But the little one that rolls off to the side gets all cold because he's all alone. That's the way the devil does. He rolls us off to the side, lets us cool down, and then we're a target for whatever he wants to do. Remember, getting away from the Lord is not generally an overnight thing. It is a progressive thing. Outside the gate, then inside the gate, now warming himself by the fires of the world. Kind of a scary place to be, but this is where Peter finds himself. And so it says, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now, Again, I think one of the things that's really important here, Jesus was very open who he was. This wasn't a secret sect in any way. It was very open. Jesus was honest with who he was. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in every synagogue and in the temple where the Jews always meet 
and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me, ask those who have heard me what I've said to them? Indeed, they know what I've said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of me and of the evil. But if well, why do you hit me? In other words, you hit me unlawfully. All I did was answer the question and you hit me. Well, Ananias then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself by the fires, literally. Therefore, they said to him, you are not also one of the disciples, aren't you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him who's Peter, who Peter uh, cut off his ear, remember. So here's a relative, Malchus, this little boy probably, probably a, um, uh, you know, a youth in the, in the ministry in some way. And Peter waxed off his ear. This is a relative. So he knew who Peter was. Probably Peter's hand was still red from the blood. Said, you're one of them too, aren't you? And Peter then denied again. And immediately the rooster crowed. I can't imagine um, this. In fact, one of the gospels says, before the rooster crows twice, you'll have denied you know me three times. If you've ever been around the farm much, or you live in Hawaii, uh, chickens are everywhere. Somebody said that there was a lot of chicken farms over there. Hurricanes came through, tore all the pins down, chickens scattered, and now chickens are as wild as groundhogs are here. And they crow all night long. Now, here's what's weird. When you realize that chickens are... are, are, are they're kind of mindless anyway. In fact, they don't even need, the farmers will cut their heads off when they're getting ready to, to cook them up. And they cut their heads off, and because of the brain stem, what little brain they have runs down their neck, they'll run around the courtyard with no head. It's weird. Well, what's really strange is that roosters crow, they wait a little bit, and they'll crow again. It's not usually cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo. They don't usually do that. It's cock-a-doodle-doo. They wait a little bit and another cock-a-doodle-doo. You would think on the first cock-a-doodle-doo, Peter would have said, hey, I remember Jesus saying something about before the rooster crows, I'll deny him. I just denied him once or twice. And now the third time he denies him and the rooster crows again. Peter was cut to the heart, by the way. And Peter, the Bible tells us, he goes out and weeps. Gospels record for us. Cut to the heart. And by the way, friends, again, God has a way of fixing what we've done wrong. We've all done a lot of things wrong in our lives. You know, people say, boy, if I ever had to live this over again, I would do it differently. Have you ever said that? I have. Well, that's one of the things that God endeavors to do in our relationship with him is to keep us from living our life in regret. God knows the end at the beginning. God can tell you the outcome of the lifestyle you're headed on and tell you that it can either end in glorious reward or total destruction. That's why, why it's so neat to know God. 
In fact, that's why the Bible is one-third prophecy and two-thirds of the prophecies are already fulfilled. And that's because God wants you to know, I know the end at the beginning. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Why does he say that? He says that to us so you can trust him with our future. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.